Okay, we're starting here with the Mishnah on Kufnan Heyom and Aleph. Matirim Amir One can open up bundles of sheaves in front of the Behema. Umifas Fasin Etakipin. You can spread out the bunches. Avalo Zirin. The Bach changes the gears throughout the whole sugya from Zirin to Ziradin. And the Gemara will go through what each of these items is. Imra Skin. One cannot cut up the shachat, which is fodder. In general, when the Gemara talks about shachat, it means cutting down the grain in a premature state, in an early stage, to use as fodder feed for the animals. Lotacharuvim is carob. You can't cut those up in front of the behemah, whether it's a Small animal or a large animal. He says that if it's carob for the smaller animals, then that is mutar. Umar is going to discuss this Mishnah now. Amravuna. Hain hain pakin. Hain hain kipin. Kipin and pakin are the exact same thing. They're synonymous. But pikin tray, kipin tlato. So pikin are either, here it's two bunches and three bunches, or the way Rashi describes it is, Pikin tray is that it's tied in two places, and Kipin is that it's tied in three places. Zirin, are, or Zradin, Da'arze. These are shoots of the cedar tree. This is in the early stages of the growth of the branches, when they are still green, before they turn into wood, they turn into branches, then they are edible, or good for animal feed. When the branches harden, then they are used for firewood, they're used for wood in general. And now let's understand what the Mishnah means. So, One is allowed to open up the sheaves in front of the animal. And you can spread them out, both. And that is true by kipin as well. Not only is it true by pakin, which have the two knots on them, or two, it's tied in two locations, even the one that's tied in three locations. Avaloet azirin, or azradin, lolefas face, velolahatir. When it comes to these zirin, these shoots, you cannot spread them out, and you cannot open them up. Amrav chista, my time of the Ravuna. Let's understand, Ravuna explained our Mishnah now. Let's understand why he explained it this way. Kasavar, the mitrach be'uchla tarchina. One is allowed to put extra effort into food. That means, if something's already food, he's allowed to do something to it, or more to it, in order to Make it easier to eat, make it more pleasurable to eat. But the shavuya uchla lo mishavina. What you may not do, or what you cannot do, is make it into ochel. So the explanation is when you undo matirimeta pekiya amir or mefasvesin. Same thing with the kipin. They're ready food. They're ready animal feed. They are ready to be used. The simple problem is that you have to make it accessible to the animal. So that either means untie it to make it accessible to the animal, or spread it out to make it accessible for the animal. That's simple tircha. It's effort that you have to exert in order just to make the food more accessible or easier or more pleasurable to eat. On the other hand, when it comes to the zradin or the zirin, which are the shoots, their default status is leitzim. So over here, when you untie them and you make them for animal feed, you've changed them from being designated for wood or firewood, and now you're making them into something that is going to be animal feed. So you've changed them from being wood to animal feed. That we do not allow. Rav Yehuda Amar, now we have an alternative. That was Rav Huna's opinion. Now we have Rav Yehuda's opinion. Hain hain pikiin, hain hain zirin. 
Pikiin and zirin are, are the things that are synonymous here. Pikiin tray, zirin talata. Pikiin is two knots, zirin is three knots. Kipin the arze. Keep in the middle section that talks about keeping, that's talking about those shoots. And this is what it means. One can open up the pikiim of the sheaves, the bundles of sheaves, in front of the animal. One may not spread them out. When it comes to keeping, you can even spread them out. But zirin or zradin, you're not allowed to spread out, only to open them up. Ravon is definitely a simpler way of reading the Mishnah. It flows more, more simply. I'm Rav, my time with the Rabbi Yehuda. What's Rabbi Yehuda's underlying premise? Kasavar, shevi ochla mishavinan. You're allowed to make things into ochel. Mitrach beuchla lotarchinan. Extra effort or exertion with regard to the ochel we do not permit. So untying the bundles which allows the animals to eat it. According to Rashi, it changes it into food, because before when it was bundled, he couldn't eat it. When you untie it, now it makes it food for him, because now he can eat it. And that's why he's matirid. On the other hand, the Rabbeinu Tam says, that according to both opinions, the unbundling of the sheaves is mutar, because it's not an effort. It's not really a tircha. It's a simple thing, we allow you to do it. And that's why even Rabbi Huda would say it's mutar, even though it's not meshavi uchla, it's mutar, because it's not a tircha. On the other hand, when it comes to spreading the food out and taking that which was bundled and now dispersing it, that is what we call unnecessary tircha, and that's just tircha buchla. We're not going to let you do that. What we will allow you to do is to make something into ochel, so now the animal has what to eat. What we're not going to let you do is make it even nicer, more pleasurable for him. We're not going to allow you to make extra effort or exertions on behalf of the animal. That's the differentiation. So Rav Huna says what is allowed is the tircha and the ochel. What's not allowed is, basically, what we call nolad the ochel. Rav Yehuda, on the other hand, is the opposite, which is saying that to make something into an ochel, make it accessible, that we allow. What we don't allow is this extra effort in the ochel to make it nicer, more pleasurable, easier to eat. So it's not a continuation of the Mishnah. One cannot cut up the shachat, the fodder, and the carob in front of the animals, whether they're big or small. My love. Charuvim dumyid shachat. You have two examples in the Mishnah of items. So what, type, what are the nature of these items? So the fact that they were parallel, let's assume that the charuvim, the carob, looks something like the shachat. Ma shachat The shachat, this fodder, this premature grain which is cut, is soft, moist. We're talking about carob that is moist. Alma, lo tarchinen ba'uchla. You see here that you cannot make extra efforts with regards to something that already is ochel. It was edible beforehand because these are all moist or soft. The only thing we're not allowing you to do is cut it up into smaller pieces to make it nicer, more pleasant, more appealing. That you can't do. And that would be a undermining of Ravuna's premise because... Ravuna said, before we allow tircha, bayochel. Amalcha Ravuna, Ravuna says, no, 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 you got it backwards. Lo. No. Shachat dum yidcharuvim. The parallel is the other way around. The shachat, the fodder, looks like the carob. Macharuvim. Everybody knows what carob looks like. Buxer, which is dakushe. We're talking about hard carob. Dried out carob. Av shachat dakushe. Similarly, we're talking about the grain, or the fodder, that is dried out. Now, 
what you're talking about is a case where the cutting is making it into ochel. Because before it was dried out. It was not edible for the animal in the bigger pieces because it's all dry. If you cut it down to small pieces, then the animal can eat it when it's dry. And according to Ravuna, that's what's problematic in the Mishnah. If you mishavi uchla, if you have no lead by uchla in the Mishnah, that's impermissible. So hecha mishkachaba, what's the case where you have shachat, you have this grain or fodder that is dried out? Be'ile zutre, with small animals, foals, who require the food to be broken down so that it's easier for them to eat it, consume it. So for them, the shachat looks like the charuvim. It's hard, it's dried out, because they're so young, and they require it to be broken down in order to make it edible for them. Tashma, Rabbi Yehuda matir b'charuvim l'daka. This is the last line in the Mishnah. The Rabbi Yehuda says that we're allowed to cut these things up for smaller animals. L'daka in l'gasalo. Obvious implications of Rabbi Yehuda's statement is that he narrowed or qualified it. He said it's only for small animals. But for big animals, no. If the Tanakama believes, So then, I understand, if the Tanakama believes that you're not allowed to expend effort on the food, but you're allowed to make it into food, this is what Rabbi Yehuda is saying then to the Tanakama. Tanakama, Rabbi Yehuda, Charuvim, Lidaka, Nami, because that's why he allows it. He says, listen, cutting it up for the young animals is because that's what makes it into ochel for those young animals. They can't eat. They don't have the sufficient chewing power uh, strength to eat them. So when you cut them up, you're making it into an ochel, something that's edible for them. If you think Tanakama thinks that making something into an ochel is problematic. Mitrach ochel but you're allowed to expend effort by ochel. Rabbi Yehuda matir b'charuvim l'daka. Why is Rabbi Yehuda only matir charuvim for daka? Koshukein l'gasa. Certainly, you should allow it for the gasa. If the issue is about mitrach, expending extra effort here, well, if you allow it for the daka, then you certainly allow it for the gasa. It's more effort for the daka, so certainly you should allow it for the gasa. So why is he qualifying his statement and saying it's only by daka? Where it says no, misavat daka, daka mamash. You think that the word daka means small animals, lighter animals? That's not what it means. My daka, gasa. Daka really means bigger animals. So, my karile daka. Well, if that's okay, my karile daka. Then why is it called the daka? The daika b'ochla. It's particular about its food or it chews its food well, whatever it is, it's a description of an animal, but not the size of the animal. It's a simple description of a type of animal that's either particular or chews its food well. Where it says, we can't buy into that, because, Ad Mektani Reisha, Ben Dakao Ben Kasa. The Tanakama says, whether it's a Dakar or a Gasa. Now, if you say Daka means this type of generic animal or statement about animals, then Daka and Gasa is not relevant anymore. Because the daka is not meaning small, and gasa big, it means daka is referring to all sizes of animals. Then why would the Tanakama make a comparison between daka and gasa? It doesn't make any sense. So if the Tanakama says, ben daka ben gasa, daka daka mamash kamar. Kasha, that leaves a problem for the position of Rav Huna, who thinks that making something into shivuya uchla is problematic. Over here, the tail end of the Mishnah sounds like Shibuya Yuchla is permissible, and that's why Rabbi Yehud is arguing on the Tanakamo. And that's why, David, uh, you see, the Gemara has two strong questions against Rabbi Huna's position. Even though Rabbi Yehuda is a more difficult reading of the Mishnah, 
the questions forced the Gemara over to the side of Rabbi Yehuda. The Rabbi Yehuda's explanation turns out to be the better explanation of the Mishnah. You're right, even though in terms of the technical reading of the Mishnah, it's much harder. All right, This is something we're going to get to in the upcoming Mishnah, which is, let it cut up gourds in front of animals. Nevelot, the carcasses, dead animals in front of the klavim. My love, gluim, dumia, dunevela. Again, the fact that they're found in the same Mishnah, the gourds and the nevela are the same. Ma nevela, derikicha. Just like nevela is soft. Af, gluim, derikiche. So too, the gourds we're talking about are soft. Alma, tarchinan, buuklo. You see from here that you can expend effort on ochel, because he will allow you to cut him up. But to yufto, derabyuda. And that would undermine Rav Yehuda's position, who thinks that Tircha Ba'uchla is problematic. It's only Shavi Uchla that's permitted. Just flip it around. You have to parallel them. The question is, which way do you parallel them? Say the other way around. Just like Duluim are hard. So too, the carcass that we're talking about here is something hard. Where do you find hard meat? That you have to need to cut it up? It's meat that has dried out so much that it cracks. It's starting to crack, so I mean it's really hard meat. And so over there, cutting it up is mishave uchla, both for the gourd and for the meat. The cutting of it up into smaller pieces is what makes it into ma'achal. And since that's the case, that's what Rebuta thinks is mutar. And that's why the Mishnah says, chatinet duluim vetanevela. Inami, bigurayaita. We're talking about puppies. Small dogs, but uh, small cubs. But here it means puppies. Talking about dogs or animals that are on the smaller side. On the smaller side, for them, this isn't considered to be tircha ba'uchla. This is mishave uchla. They can't eat. They're too small. They can't chew. They can't do whatever is needed to eat or consume this food. Cutting it up makes it accessible to them. And therefore, it's mishave uchla. Tashma. Dani ravchanan minarda mifarchinan teven one can break up straw and asafta, crumble it, umarvin, and mix it together. Alma, tarchinan ba'uchla. So here we see again that you can expend effort in food. Here he is, he's crumbling it. He is mixing it together. So here you can do all this effort on behalf of making the food more edible. Because the animals like the asafta, they like the fodder. They don't love the straw. But if you mix them together, they're going to eat both. So there's a value in mixing it together. But again, it's not making it into ochel. It's simply making it easier, more pleasurable, more desirable for him to eat. But it's not mishavi ochla. So one says, no, 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 you misunderstood. The tevin that we're talking about here is bitivna sarya. Talking about rotten straw. Straw that's gone bad. So the animal wouldn't otherwise eat it. So here you have to crumble, you have to do something to it to make it edible. Asasafta bi'ile zutre. And here the fodder that we're talking about is, like we mentioned on the previous Samud, so we're talking about foals, young animals, that require the food to be broken down into smaller pieces in order to make it edible for them. They can't chew the bigger items. And so therefore, in both these cases, we're talking about something that's mishavi uchla, that creates ochel, not something that is tircha, yitera, or just tircha in the ochel. And that's how Rabbi Huda will answer these questions. Okay, next Mishnah. Ein ofsim et gamal. One cannot force feed the gamal, stuff the gamal. The Lord dorsin, and one can't cram the food into the gamal. Aval malitin, but you can't put food into its mouth. The ein ma'amirin et agalim. Cannot fatten the calves. Aval malitin, but you can't put the food into their mouths. 
Umehalkatin Latanagolim, and you can't do whatever this Mehalkatate is to the Tanagolim. Vinotni Maimnum Mursan. Allowed to mix water with bran. Avalogovlim, you're not allowed to mix it. You're not allowed to make it into a hardened mass, to make it into something that is solid. One is not allowed to put out water for the birds and the bees. The Yonim Shovach, which are the doves and the dovecoats. Avanotnim, you are allowed to put out water before the geese, or the chickens. And before the, whether it's Herodian or Hardizian doves, which are some form of domesticated dove that were brought up by the rich. My enopsim. What does it mean here that you're not allowed to stuff the animal with food? Amr Yuda. My enopsim. Amr Yuda. Enosim la avus betochnea. Can't make it have a trough inside of its stomach. Mi ika ki hagavna. Is there such a concept? There's such a thing in. I saw this Arab merchant. The kura. He had the camel eat a kura worth of grain. Batina kura, and then he put another kura on top of it. He loaded up another kura on top of it for the road. But it's a ton of food that it ate. This idea that you could stuff the animal, you could have the animal eat so much that it's basically walking around with its trough because it has all the food that it needs by stuffing the animal. So that's what the word uvsim uvsim is to stuff the animal with food to the point where it is carrying around its food in its belly. Ein ma'amirin, ezuhi hamra'a, ezuhi halata. We said by the calves that you're not allowed to fatten them, mamirim, about malitin, you can't place the food in. What's the difference between them? Hamra'a is putting it in a place where it cannot reject the food. It's past the point in the throat where he can disgorge it. It will be forced to swallow it. He puts in the food in the mouth. You're allowed to place the food in the mouth, but it's not at a point where it cannot disgorge it. It has to make a choice, either to swallow or to spit it out. So what's mutar is to feed it in such a manner, put food into its mouth in such a manner where it will make the choice to swallow it. What you can't do is put it in its mouth so far down that it will be forced to swallow it. Now, both of these are describing the placement of food into the animal's mouth in a location where it cannot disgorge it, where it cannot spit it out, it has to swallow it. So what's the difference between hamra'ah and halata? Hamra'ah b'kli, Hamra is doing it with a utensil. She says a tarvada spoon. Halata biyad. Halata is doing it by hand. Meitiv Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef brings from the Tosefta. Mahalkatin latarna golim. Ve'ein tzarech l'marshel malkitin. You can do both of these. Ve'ein malkitin l'yonei shovach or l'yonei aliyah. One cannot do this halkata to the doves and the dovecoats and to the doves that are in the loft. Ve'ein tzarech l'marshel mahalkatin. Certainly you can't do mahalkate to them. So my mehalkatin or my malkitin. What are the differences between these two? They're mentioned in our Mishnah. They're mentioned in Tosefta. Ilema, if you want to suggest mehalkatin de safi lebiadaim, mehalkatin is that he does it by hand. Malkitin de shari le kame. He said he throws it out in front of him. So one is that he puts it in their mouth. The other one is that they spread the food in front of them. Michlau, for that you would infer the yone shovach v'yone aliyah mishta kame unami lo. That you can't even put food in front of these birds, because that's what it says there. It says you can't do either of them. So that doesn't make sense. Why can't you put food in front of the birds? So it must mean that Mahalkatin means that you place it to a location where it cannot reject it. It's to a place where it can 
reject it. Michlau. From that you would infer dahamra'ah bikli. Because that you need a, you need a third level of differentiation. We have mehalkatin and malkitin. If mehalkatin already describes something that cannot be rejected, and malkitin reje- is talking about something that can be rejected, then hamra'ah, which is a different term, must be something in addition to that, which is hamra'ah is bikli. To yufta de Rabbi Yehuda. This undermines Rabbi Yehuda's position or premise. It's interesting, because I don't know if you have to be forced in that direction. Mishnah in many places uses different terms for different animals. By the animals, by the agalim, hamra'ah, would mean the same thing as halkata by the tarnagolim. Who says that halkata and hamra'ah have to be different actions? They could be different descriptions of the same actions, just one is by an animal and one is by a bird, which is very common in the, common in their, in the Mishnah. So I'm not sure why, but the Gemara feels that it has to be that they're different items. So Amalachar Rabbi Yehuda, Lolam mehalkatin desafi lebiadayim. Now, Mahalkatin means that he puts it in by hand. Malkitin deshari lekamayu. That he throws it out in front of them. Ode kakashalach. Yone shovach, yone aliyah, the mishta kamayu nami lo. Why can't you even throw it in front of these dovecoats? He says, no problem. Hani mizonatan alecha. Vahani ain mizonatan alecha. It's the difference between whether you're obligated to feed these animals or not. If they're your animals and they're domesticated, then they depend on you for food. You're obligated to feed them, you have to feed them. On the other hand, the doves are not dependent on you for food. If they're not dependent on any food, then you can't feed them on Shabbat. Even to throw food out in front of them on Shabbat is unnecessary and impermissible because they're not depending on you for their food. Kiritanyo, we have a brighto which lays out the basic premise here. Nutnim is an kelev. You can put out food in front of the dog. Nutnim is an hazir. Can't put out food in front of the pig. Gemara uses the examples dog of a domesticated dog. And a chazir, because of the rule, em gadlim chazirim beretz Yisrael. You're not allowed to bring up chazirim. So there would be no domesticated pigs in Eretz Yisrael. So that's why it says, ain't no nimizonot if chazir. That's a blanket statement, because you'll never have domesticated pigs in Israel. My fresh ben zelazeh. Why is there any difference between a pig and a dog? Zeh mizonot The dog is dependent on you for its food. Zeh ain't mizonot The pig is not dependent on you for food. You only have wild pigs. You don't have domesticated pigs. Our Mishnah supports that understanding that Rav Yehuda is presenting because the Mishnah says, You cannot put out water in front of the bees and in front of the doves from the dovecoat. But you can't put it out in front of the geese and the chickens. And in front of the... Herodian doves. My It's pretty simple. The division in the Mishnah is whether these are domesticated and dependent on you for their food or not. If they're depending on you for the food, you can't put the food out. If they're not depending on you, you can't put the food out. Here it's water. So Gemara says, I don't understand your position here. Here you're talking about water. The Mishnah should have said generically you can't put out food. Why is it using Mayo? Only water. So as a filu visari nami lo. What do you mean you can't put out water? You can't put out even any food for them. Ella shiny mayo It's not that these aren't domesticated. All these animals could be domesticated. The difference is whether you have to provide water for them. The animals who are domesticated and don't fly distances, then you have to provide them with water because they won't have access to the water. On the other hand, those animals that can reach the water and there's water around, there are bodies of water around. They'll get their water themselves. So therefore, you're not obligated to provide them water. Or you sh- maybe even shouldn't provide them water because they have access to water. So that's the difference. 
But what you see here, again, that there is this differentiation. The Gemara attempted to make the differentiation between Mizanotanalecha and Mizanotanalecha. Gemara rejects it as being good because it only mentions water. But in the end, it's a similar distinction, which is you're only obligated to provide where the animals can't provide for themselves because you have to take care of them. They're your animals. Tarash, Rabbi Yonah, Pitcho, Debe Yona was Doresh at the doorway to the Nasi's house. My dechtiv. What is meant in the Pasuk? Yodea Tzadik Din Dalim. Tzadik knows the rights of the poor, of the impoverished. Yodea Kodesh Baruchu Bekelev Shemizonotav Muatim. God knew that a dog had difficulty finding food or didn't have a lot of food provided to them. Fikach Shoei Achilato B'Meav Gimel Yamim. Therefore, the digestive process for the dog takes three days. In order that he should always be full, full with the small amount of food that he takes, he'll be digesting it for the next three days. We have an Mishnah. How long does something have to stay inside of it in order for it to be Tameh? In a dog, it's for three days, three 24-hour periods that it's there. So if a dog went ahead and swallowed something, as long as the dog is alive, the gzayt minimate is what we call tumah blu'ah. It's tumah that is inside the animal, totally covered, encapsulated. It does not have any effect. Then if the dog dies, it's no longer tumah blu'ah because the dog's not alive. So the, the Mishnah there is discussing if the dog dies, within how many days of swallowing the gzayt minimate would it still be tameh? So the Mishnah says within the first 72 hours of the dog swallowing the gzayt minimate, if the dog dies then the house is Tamei Mate. It's an Ola Mate because the Gazayit is still extant. It hasn't been completely digested. After three days, it's been digested, then it's no longer Gazayit Mina Mate anymore. Ubofotu Bedagim comes to fowl and fish. How long does it take for them to digest the food? The amount of time it takes for this food, if it fell into the fire, to be consumed, to be burnt up. So their digestive systems are much faster than that of the dog. Amrav Amnuna, Shmamina, Orach Aro, the Mishta Umtza Lekalba says that it's Derech Eretz to give some raw meat to the dog. Bikama, how much? Amarav Mori, Mashach Udne, the amount the size of his ear, enough to draw him in a little bit, Vachutra Batre, and you have a stick right behind it, push him away. Don't make him think that he's going to get more here. Don't think that this is like a regular feeding session. You give him a little bit to be generous or nice to him, and then you tell him, be off. That's it. Don't come back again. That's only true. In the field. You're out in the field. The dog comes by. He's hungry. He doesn't have anything to eat. So there you give him a little treat. You give him a little piece of raw meat. And then you shoo him away. Send him off. But in the city, lo, don't give him anything to eat. Give him something in the city. And this is still true today. You feed a wild dog. You feed a wild cat. They will be back there forever. They think that that's where their food's coming from. And they will come back again and again says, you don't want that, so don't feed them in the city, because in the city they know where you live, and therefore they're going to keep coming back to where you gave them the food. Out in the field, it's a one-time event. You're out, you happen to be out in the field, you happen to bump into the dog, give him food. The dog comes back, you're not going to be there. It's not going to matter in the future. Amra Papa, late, the anyo mikaubo. Papa says, there's no one poorer than the dog. Late, atir, mechazira, there's no one richer than the pig. Because the dog has difficulty, as we said before, finding food or getting food. And its digestive system takes three days. And the chazir, as Rashi says, first of all, eats anything. It's not particular about its food. And on top of that, people feed it a ton of food to fatten it up. So there's nobody richer than the pig and nobody poorer than the dog. 
Tanyo Kavate de Rav Now we have a bright uh, that supports Rav Yehuda's understanding of the Mishnah, which is Ezuhi Hamra'a, Ezuhi Halata. What's the difference between Hamra'a and Halata? Hamra'a, Marbitza. He has it laid down, but here, crouched down. Upukesit Pia, he forces its mouth open. Umachila, Karshinim Umayim, and then he puts a vetch and water in it, Bevatachat. In one shot. Because there, you're forcing him to eat because the water that you put in with the karshinim forced the karshinim down the throat and he can't reject the food. Other than halata, halata is a much gentler approach, which is machila me'umad. It's not crouched down or laying down, it's standing. Mashke me'umad. And you give it to drink standing. Nonim karshinim bifnei You put the karshinim into the vetch into its mouth separately from the water. So the water doesn't force him to eat the food. He has to make a choice each time to swallow it. So the difference between hamra'a, hamra'a is something where it's force-fed, and it has to take the feed, the feed that you give it. Halata is putting the food in its mouth, but not forcing it to swallow. The animal makes the decision to swallow. And that's similar to the way Rabbi Yehuda explained our Mishnah, that hamra'a is force-feeding, similar to ofsin or dorsin by the gamal. And halata is similar to by the gamal. Halata by the agalim is putting them food in their mouth, but not forcing them to swallow it. Okay, mahal kadin latano golim. Amar abayi, amrita kamei demar. I said in front of mar. Mar usually for abayi means his rabbi, that means rabbo. Demadnita and mani. Who's the author of our Mishnah? Vamarli, and rabbo responded, Rabbi Yossi bar Rabbi Yehudai. So Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehudai is the author of Mishnah. Tanya, we have a bright day. Echad noten et hakemach, echad noten l'tochomayim. Someone puts in flour, and another one comes and puts in the water. Acharon chayav divrei rabbi. Rabbi says the one who adds the latter ingredient is chayav because you're mixing water and flour, which is there's an isur and shabbat one of the is the gavel. It's the need to put water and flour together to create dough. Over here, Rabbi believes that simply putting the two items together is already a problem. Whereas Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yudu Omer, eno chayav gavel. It's not chayav until he actually needs it or mixes it. So that would be like our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says you're allowed to put the water with the bran, but you're not allowed to mix them together. Where it says, wait a minute, maybe Rabbi Yossi Rabbi position over there is true because kemach is normally needed. So therefore just putting water in is not enough to be problematic. It's only once you've needed that mixture that it's problematic because kemach is made to be needed. Of a mursan, then their brand, when you mix it with the water, it's not made to be kneaded. They're putting the water in it to soften it and so on and so forth, but you're not doing it so they can knead the brand. Maybe even there, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi agrees that pouring the water in is sufficient to be chayav. You don't even have to mix it. Now you would not come to that conclusion. We have an explicit bright that says otherwise. Similar to the brighter that we quoted before about the kemach and the water, we have an almost identical brighter with maim and mursan, with water and bran. Which is, ain't not ni maim and mursan, divrei rabbi. Yosi rabbi yudo amer, not ni maim and mursan. So you hear the same machloket that we saw by kemach, you see by mursan. So it makes sense that Rabbi Yosi rabbi yudo is the author of our Mishnah who says that it's only problematic once you mix it, when you knead it, not simply when you put, when you mix them together, not simply when you put the water and the bran together, but you have to actually knead them together, or put them into a mass together, in order to be chayav, and that's Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yudu's opinion we saw in the Baraita. Alright, we're gonna stop here.